This broadcast is part of the IC Robots Radio Network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. Report, recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. You better get his rookie card now, because after this year, the price ain't going down. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week. It should have been your week a bit less week. And this week, it is going to get so much less week. We're going to start off with uh, some talk about the flea market and some bad customer service I got over at Best Buy. And then we're going to move into a move into a movie review about a prison movie. I love a prison movie. This one's called The Brawl in Cell Block 99. I thought it was awesome. And then, and then we got the main event where in which I am going to talk about the top five Christmas presents I ever got in the entirety of my life. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. But before... Before we get there, we're going to start off with a new tune from uh, the Ensign over in Pod B and Engineer Emily. Let me see if I can, let me see if I can find it here. I got it. I, got, I should have these booted up. All right, here we go, hit it. I chopped you, chewed you, baked you and schooled you. That sloppy pop, you need to stop. You're kind of rude, you. No good nincompoop, trying to base. How we live in homes. Get out my face. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. That is, that is definitely true. We can't be stopped. We've gotten, we've gotten so far past the point in which we can be stopped that uh, there's just no stopping us now. But check it out, man. I have, uh, I've been having some computer issues lately, or it was, I was thinking... I was having some computer issues, but what it turned out it was, it was the monitor. It kept, it kept turning on and off, and I wasn't sure if it was, you know, the monitor itself or the computer, but after, after a bunch of, uh, testing, I did determine that it was, in fact, the monitor, so I headed out to, I headed out to get one. I wanted to, I realized you can get better prices online, but I wanted to get it today, and I wanted to have it in my hand so I can get back to computing and all that good stuff, so I... I headed over, first I went to Office Depot and I looked around and they had like lots of, lots of super fancy monitors, but I don't even, I don't even feel the need to have a good one. I just, I just need one to, uh, to do stuff. So we went there and I couldn't find one I liked. And then we, we headed next door to, um, to Best Buy to see if there was one there that I wanted. And they had a much better selection and I was, I was able to find one that, that handled my needs for like 120 bucks. It was, it was a bit more than I wanted to pay. Look, I am, I'm a cheapy dude when it comes to computers because I don't have like a lot of, a lot of high-end computer needs. I don't game. I don't do any of that stuff. I just, 
play around on Facebook and do stuff like that when I'm at home. I record the show in the in the recording booth here on the uh, on the good old Jupiter moon base. So I don't even have like those kind of kind of things to do down there on Earth. So I I would have been happy with like an eighty dollar monitor. I don't. I don't care. I very seldom like watch anything on it. I just I just poke around on Facebook, do some do some eBay stuff. I don't know. Very very low uh, low intensity whatever. So I I don't know. It was a bit more than I wanted, but I, I I was fine with it. It was within the the range that I had set. So it kind of works where they have like all the monitors on the top and then the boxes for the monitors underneath. And I I couldn't find the one I wanted and. This, you know, this blue shirt, this kid who works there, he comes up and he's like, hi, can I help you guys find anything? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, can you, can you help me find this monitor? I can't seem to find this one here. And he, you know, he looks at the number and he, he searches around like where we search. You know, he did his due diligence and he goes, hmm, let me, let me look in the computer just to make sure we have these in stock. And I said, okay, you know, and I, and I waited there and he was gone for a while. He just like took off to some other some other area of the store for serious dude was gone for days and eventually he did uh he did come back and he told me oh we um we actually have five no we have four we have four of these in stock let me go into the warehouse and see if i can find one and i said that sounds great thanks for the help guy and he heads off into the dark recesses of the of the warehouse and he was gone he was gone for a while i think that if i said 20 minutes that is no exaggeration, but I'm thinking, well, that's all good in the hood because it means he's looking. Maybe it's, you know, hard to find things back there. I don't know. I've never been there. I never, I've never been in the Best Buy warehouse in my life. So homeboy's back there and he's poking around and eventually he comes out and he goes, well, I, uh, I couldn't find it. And I'm thinking, well, that's weird because you said he had four of them and I honestly would not have, I would not have come out without finding one. And he goes, well, I can't find it. And then we we kind of like stood there in awkward silence for a few seconds, maybe like five or ten seconds of just standing there looking at each other. And he he pulls his phone out of his pocket and he starts like blooping around on his phone. And I I got to tell you, I hate it when I'm in a store and I see the employees on their phone. It's just in in the days when I was working customer service at the video store and stuff, of course, we didn't have cell phones, but. The idea of like looking at your phone and checking your Facebook when you're talking to customers would have been unheard of. Now, I'm not saying we had the best service of all the times or anything, but it would have been unheard of to do something like that. So he's blooping around on his phone and I'm just standing there with the wife looking at him. I'm just like, what's going on here? I kind of looked at her like, what's going on here? And he he looked up from his phone and he, he realized that we were still standing there looking at him and he goes... Oh, uh, can I help you with anything else? And I, I kind of like looked at the wife and I go, are, are you going to go try to find the monitor? And he's like, uh, I tried, I couldn't find it. Can I, can I help you with anything else? And I go, well, anything else? What did you, what did you help me with in the first place? And he goes, let me get somebody else to help you. And he like, he saunters off and eventually they, they found somebody else and he was able to find the monitor, but Man, I don't even know why I'm telling this story, but this guy, like, really chapped my hide. He really chapped the good old hide when he was like, uh, can I help you with anything else? I'm just like, what did you help me with? And 
man, I don't know. I know what it's like working customer service, but I also know that I wouldn't come out without finding the monitor. And the other guy was able to find the monitor. So the monitor was there. So I don't know what he was doing. I would have been in the back, and if I couldn't find it, I would have found somebody who had more familiarity with the back and asked them to help me find the monitor. But what are you going to do? I got the monitor. I brought it home. But man, I I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Best Buy. Their prices are high. Their selection's only mediocre. And the only reason I went there in the first place was because I wanted the monitor in my hand now. And I'm just like, why go there after this weird experience? This guy was like literally one of the worst customer service dudes I've ever seen. He's like playing on his phone, expecting me to accept the fact that he says, I can't find it. Like I'm supposed to just like wander off or something. I don't know what he expected. I don't know. Dude was a bit of a, a bit of a dingleberry, I guess. I try really hard not to complain on the show. I want it to be, I want it to be the tsunami of sunshine. I want it to be sunshine and lollipops and all of that, all that other good stuff. But I went to the flea market on Sunday and I had, I had the weirdest experience and I did something that I'm not proud of and I I feel bad, but I want to share it here as a way. It might be cathartic to get it out. I I was walking around through the flea market. This is the Sebastopol one, not the, not the Mojo sales one. This is the, this is the one we've been preferring lately. I've been finding better stuff there and I'm walking, I'm walking around and we're not really finding anything, which is, you know, that's part of the game, dude. Most of the time when you look for stuff, you will in fact strike out. It's just the way it is. But I was... I was walking around and I get to this table and this guy had a, um, he had like a cardboard box with a bunch of just like random junky toys in it. And I, I kind of poked around in it and toward the bottom there were, there were some G.I. Joe parts like legs and waists, you know, the waist joints or whatever that you, that you pull the legs into. They were like a whole bunch of broken O-ring style figures floating around and I pulled I pulled out, like, a Snake Eyes, not a Snake Eyes, a Storm Shadow, a later issue Storm Shadow, not like one of the cool earlier ones, one of the, one of the Ninja Force ones. I pulled out the parts, like, this was legs, waist, body, arms, all separate. So I pulled out all these pieces, and amongst the pieces was the figure Deep Six. Deep Six was the driver of the shark. That was... It's like a flying submarine, and dude is in, like, a full body. He's different than most G.I. Joe figures. He's in, like, a full deep-sea diver gear with, like, a dome on his helmet, and he only has, like, articulation at the... at the... uh, the shoulders, and I needed him because I had the shark at home, but I didn't have him, so... I had, like, this... This small pile of parts, right? With like, I don't know, like two or three figures. And and then I had, I had Deep Six and I went to the guy and I said, hey man, how's it going? Um, I gave him like my, you know, my nice sweet guy voice. And I'm just like, hey man, how's it going? You know, I'm, I'm wondering how much, how much these are. And he, he takes it from me and he's like, he kind of separates them into the figures that I put together. And he goes, nine bucks each. And I'm like, Nine bucks each. These are like, these are like corroded G.I. Joes that are, are in parts. And I'm like, I don't know. Let, let me see those again. And I'm kind of looking at them and I go, well, I don't, I don't know if I want these at that price. I'm like, let me, let me think about it. Um, how much, how much just for Deep Six? And he goes, that one, uh, 
10 bucks. And I'm like, 10 bucks? I'm like, why, why, are, why are you raising the price? I thought that. I didn't say it because I'm still in, I'm still in nice guy um, negotiating mode. But I'm like, well, I don't know. And I put the other pieces back in the box and I go, how about, how about four bucks? You know, I'm starting, I'm starting low in the negotiation in hopes of like meeting him at like five bucks. Five bucks is, it's more than I want to pay, but I'm happy to, I'm happy to do it just, you know, to kind of, just to complete the shark. And he goes, no, 10 bucks. And I go, okay, how about, how about seven bucks? Cause I'm just like, I want it. I want something. I've gone, I've gone to all this trouble to like dig through this cardboard box. And he goes, I said 10 bucks. And he said it like super threateningly, like really like aggressively. And I'm like, whoa, aggressive negotiator. And then I'm like, all right, eight bucks. And he goes, I said 10. And he picks a screwdriver up off his table. Like for real, he picked up a screwdriver that he had for sale. And he starts, he starts like waving it around and gesturing it. And at one point he like, he points it pretty, pretty near to my face. And I'm just like, this is so weird. But I try to, uh, I try to play it off lightly. I'm just like, hey, are you threatening me? Like I said it in like a, hey, are you threatening me? Like I'm, like I'm totally joking, right? And he goes, yeah. And he like tries to put it, like puts it like nearly under my chin. Like he's gonna jam it up through the bottom of my head like I'm a zombie, like up through my brains. He goes, yeah. And he's like holding it there. So I, I'm just like, this is nuts. So I took a step back and I took deep six and I threw him over a fence. The, the flea market is like, it's kind of like in a wooded area and the, like the, you know, the flea market isn't a wooded area, but like outside the fences, it's kind of like a rural wooden area. So I, I stepped back and I just threw deep six over the fence and I shot him the finger. I stuck the finger right in his face and walked off and homeboy was he was yelling at me from a distance. And I'm just like, this is, this is so weird to me. It was weird because, you know, in, in some circles that are more sensitive than the ones I run in, it could be said that he threatened my life. I mean, let's be serious. Dude held a screwdriver to my throat. He could have, uh, he could have jammed it at me. I mean, dude was weird and he looked kind of, kind of weak. I think that I could have at any moment, like grabbed his wrist and just, you know, took the screwdriver from him. It's still... I didn't like having it stuck near my neck, like, didn't like it at all, and it was, it was also weird that I, I threw the figure over the fence, I'm not usually the, not usually the demonstrative type, I was a bit surprised, and to be honest, I'm a bit, I'm a bit embarrassed in myself that I did that, because other people saw this, they saw me, they saw me with the dude, and they saw the dude pointing at my neck, and they saw me throw it over the fence, they saw me, they saw me stick up the double bird like I was Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I don't know, man. I don't want to get a reputation as being a, uh, like a flea market weirdo, but I also don't want to get a reputation as somebody who will give in to the, uh, the kind of bartering that involves, uh, death threats. So, I don't know. Let me know what you think of this. This whole thing was weird. What would you have done? I think that there are some out there that might have giving him a smack. There's some out there that might have just put the figure down and walked away. What do you, what do you think about what I did? The, the part that fills me with regret is that there is a vintage Deep Six action figure that is like, it's lost. It's lost for all eternity. I hope that, I hope that someday somebody finds it. Maybe I'll go over there and find it myself, but I think if I did that, that might be considered thievery, and I'm not, 
I'm not into thievery by any means, so I don't know, my bros. Let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up on Twitter. That's at ICRobots, I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S. I'm curious. I'd like to know what you think. Let me know. But um, until until you do that, let's let's move into the next segment of the show. This part is known as At The Movies. <laughs> In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Don't tell me my business. I do things direct, and I have a system. Won't last Minimum freedom. I'm not going to tell you anything you want to hear. And prison will give me plenty of time to look at guys I don't like. The Brawl and Cell Block, 99. Available now on VOD. The Brawl and Cell Block, 99 is a, uh, it's a prison movie. I guess you could tell that by the title. I love prison movies. I don't, I don't know. I think that we all have like a fascination with prison. Like we don't want to, we never want to go there, but we're curious about what goes on in there. I've had this, I've had this idea for a long time. If I was, if I was like a wealthy entrepreneur, what I'd like to do is purchase a prison, like purchase a an unused, a decommissioned prison and fill it full of actors and stuff and set up like a, uh, like a prison, what would you call it? A fantasy camp, maybe? A prison fantasy camp where you could, for a price, go and spend the week in prison just to see, just to see what it's like. I'd have the actors playing out scenarios and stuff and it would be a, uh, a test of your mettle. You'd be able to find out whether you could make it or not. I think this, I think this could be a good idea, man. If any of you guys want to take it, feel free because I don't have the money to pay a bunch of actors and buy, uh, buy an old prison. So you're welcome to have it because I myself might like to go. The, the brawl in cell block 99 is available right now only on, only on VOD. You can order it through like direct TV or whatever. It's probably, probably available at your local video shop. So if you have one of those, please go get it there. I myself was remiss in not, and not getting it, but I just, I wanted to see it right now and I saw it in the listing. So I got it. And the, the flick stars Vince Vaughn, who you might know from Swingers. You might know Vince Vaughn from any number of things. And this is, this is a real dark take on the Vince Vaughn archetype. He is, he's a dude who is a career drug runner, right? And in a previous life, he was a prize fighter, but he is now, he's now a drug runner and these exploits, uh, they lead to him behind bars. And while he's there, he is, he's tasked with, with killing another inmate. The, the crooks on the outside have kidnapped his wife and is they're, they're threatening his unborn baby. They make a threat on his wife in this movie that is one of the single most disturbing things I have ever heard in a film. So if you're into that kind of stuff, this movie's for you. So what Vince Vaughn has to do is to save his wife. He has to go and get transferred to a super hardcore maximum security prison and kill, kill somebody there. And man, along the line, he has some brutal, vicious fights. I think that the fights are the selling point of the movie and they are, 
They're all interesting. Um, Vince Vaughn has a boxing style, and during the course of the movie, he fights like a guy with like kung fu hand skills and various, various street fighters and kickboxers and stuff. And the fights are good. The fights are really interesting. Vince Vaughn is a giant dude. He's like six foot five, and he's very, he's very slow moving, but he plays it off like he is almost invincible, and he has like incredible punching power. So. It's him versus faster dudes with better skills. I enjoyed this movie immensely. I thought it was great. I think that it stands up amongst some of the best, most violent prison movies of all time. I saw this movie called um, Shot Callers that stars Jamie Lannister, and I think this movie's better than that. This one is one of the most violent movies I have ever seen in my life. Some of the things Vince Vaughn does to... That he does to these guys is like just so gory and gross. If you like that kind of stuff, you will like this movie. Let's hop on over to Tomatoes and we're gonna see what we're gonna see what they have to say. The movie was directed by S. Craig Zoller, who directed Bone Tomahawk. I saw that movie last year. That was one of the most violent movies I've ever seen, too. So I guess I guess we see what uh Zoller's all about. It is uh 132 minutes runtime, and it is presently at 74% with the audience, but 92% with the critics. That's, that's interesting. I would have kind of expected it to go the other way. I, I myself, I thought this movie was terrific. As a prison film, it's terrific. And this, this is something that makes you, makes you think. When you rate a film, are you rating it against other films of its type, or are you rating it against every movie out there. Is The Brawl in Cell Block 99 rated against movies like Shot Caller? Or is it included in the bigger world and we are rating it against movies like Lady Bird? I don't know. I have no idea. I myself, I am going to rate it against, against other Grindhouse movies of its type. So... On the good old-fashioned Source Magazine mic meter with one being a dud and five being an all-time classic, I give, on the scale of prison movies, I give The Brawl at Cell Block 99 a good old four mics. Four mics. will not be seen tonight. You're kidding. Well, I never cared about a thing like that. But it will return next Friday. Well, in that case, we better stop wasting time. Here you go, you greedy devils. The top five Christmas gifts that I see robots ever got in all his life. When you are a kid, the opening of the gifts is the single greatest moment of the year. Your Christmas gifts are what you wait for every single day until the day finally comes. Christmas is the main event of the entire year when you were a child. This is the this is the time when you feel guaranteed to get some sort of a big ticket toy like a game system or a major action figure playset or a giant lego playset something like that this is this is the time it's it's bigger than the birthday for the birthday you're gonna get something fun you might get like a gi joe tank or like a few gi joes or something like that 
but you are not going to get, for the most part, the game system for your birthday. It's probably, it's probably going to come at Christmas. So, with, with knowing that Christmas is just, man, it's so, it's so important. I, I remember, I remember Christmas Eve as a kid and being in bed and just laying there and rolling back and forth and being unable to find any way into the land of Nod, finding any way to clock some Z's because I was just so, so anxious to get out there and get my hands on those gifts. I, I was the type that would get up at like the butt crack of as early as you could get. I would get up at four if I could afford it, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., whatever time I could, I would, I would get out of bed and go, go and get my hands on those gifts. So this, uh, is, this is a fun top five, I think. I'm going to go down the top five gifts I ever received. And interestingly enough, one of them is not a gift from my childhood. Well, we'll get to that when the time comes. Let's, let's get into it, man. Let's find out what are the best five gifts. I ever received for Christmas. Number five. Stu Thompson, number one BMX pro, was challenged by Huffy to create a great bike. Huffy BMX bikes, Stu Thompson series, white paint job, pinstripe pads, rigid power system for maximum performance. The result, a flash of white lightning. A bike so free, it could only be built for you by Huffy and Stu. The two number ones in BMX racing. Totally awesome. Huffy, America's first choice. Number five on my list is my Huffy Thunder Road. I got this. I got this bike the year that we moved to California, which is by my... My estimation's 1982, and we got this bike before I started at Binkley Elementary School, and I was, I was jazzed on this bike. Go online and Google a Huffy Thunder Road. It's a black bike that is sort of in a BMX style, but not a BMX realistic style, kind of a cartoony BMX style. It has a, has a big black seat, this big giant seat. It's long and somewhat thin. It also has like a placard with a number on the front. Mine was number 54. I really, I really like this bike. The, the seat was comfortable. The, everything was nice. The bike was super duper heavy. That is one thing I remember. It was almost like the frame was solid steel, and I, I don't know, man, I thought this was, like, a super cool BMX bike, and that I was gonna be, like, one of those BMX dudes tearing it up in the, uh, in the dirt tracks or whatever, and then I started at Binkley, and the, the kids there were, they were fine, but they were, they were a bit more upper crust than I was, and they all had, like, mongooses and other bikes like that, like, real-life BMX-style bikes. They were the kind of kids that were upper crest to the point that if they, if they requested something from their parents, their parents wouldn't be the sort that would get them, like, a, or sort of knockoff version. Like, let's say they asked for a guitar. They wouldn't get them, like, an inexpensive guitar to see if they were into it. Their parents would go out and get them, like, a Les Paul or something like that. I don't, I don't know a lot about guitars, but I think that Les Paul is, like, a, 
like a sort of upper crusty kind of deal. It's like, these were the kind of kids that the parents like, I want to get a bike. They're going to get them like a pro style BMX kind of bike. And I had my, I had my Huffy, which I really liked, but then all these other kids had their mongooses and stuff. And I was, I was cast upon many aid derisions on my bike. They would make fun of the seat. They would make fun of everything because it wasn't, it wasn't a real style BMX. And it got to the point where I quit riding my bike to school, which was, it was a bummer because it was dope to have your bike at school. And after, after class, you know, you could go in and like head off to Ben Franklin's or somewhere like, and have more adventures. If you didn't have your bike, you had to walk. But I got teased so much for my bike that I, I started walking, which wasn't really like the move, but none of us have the strongest egos at the time, but it didn't affect my real love for the bike. Like I would still motor it around the neighborhood. Like when I got home, I was jumping right on it and I was, I was going bug nutty, but I, I didn't take it to school. I, I gave in, but I don't know. That also taught me the lesson that when you do something like that, you don't really feel that great about it. You don't feel that great about giving in to uh teasing. So I learned that I got to just, I got to be me, man. I got to keep it real. I enjoy the bike. I shouldn't care what people say. And this is something that, that I've tried to carry with me in my later life. You know, I just try to, uh, try to do my own thing. If you don't like it, man, that is cool. That's your opinion and you're, you're welcome to it, but it doesn't affect how I see myself. So while I did not get as much out of this bike that I could have by giving in to the mocking, I, I did get a valuable life lesson and that's, that's always important too. Let's move into numero four. Number four. Number four is the microphone that I am using right now to record this. This lovely podcast for all, all you kids out there, all you boys and girls, dogs and cats, kids and uh, whatever. This is, this is something I got from the good old wife. I got this, I don't know, maybe three years ago when, when I first decided I wanted to try to do something on the internet, like a podcast or whatever. I was, I was using my phone, which was, you know, it was good enough to get a start and see if I liked it, but I wasn't happy with the sound quality and my wife, she heard me talking about it and she, she secretly went behind my back to Radio Shack and got me this, she got me this blue snowball microphone. It's actually white, but the company name is blue and it was one of the, one of the most thoughtful gifts that I was ever given. She heard me, she heard what I wanted. She thought that I should keep doing what I'm doing and that I deserved an upgrade. And she upgraded me. It was, it was really great. I was so excited the day that I got it. I plugged it in and it's a, it's a USB mic and I plugged it in and it immediately downloaded the software and just, I was able to go to work. And ever since then, I've been doing this. I've been doing this show every weekend and I really like it. I, through the new microphone, I was able to keep going and I discovered something that that I really enjoyed. It's really something that I find fulfilling. I have a good time doing it. I have a big mouth and I like to I like to sit and talk to myself for a couple hours at a time and edit it down to a tight a tight 45 to 1 hour. The the microphone is pretty neat. I definitely enjoy it. I think the quality is fine. I recommended it to uh to my main man Gino Vega and he bought one as well. I seem to think that 
I seem to think that his is orange, if I remember correctly. I've only I've only seen pictures of his recording studio. It's a it's a tight setup, man. It is professional. He has one of those giant mixing boards with those uh the dials and the the things that go up and down. It's fantastic. He's encased in like a glass booth with a microphone hanging down and dangling in front of his face. It's it's great. I I'm quite jealous, but he, um, he's more of a recording professional than me. He's actually worked in the business in the past. He's worked with such artists as Ray Love and, uh, dudes like that. He's, uh, he's a true legend of the Northern California recording community. I, myself, I'm just, you know, I'm in a closet up on a moon base with, with vents and stuff. What, uh, what do I know? But I'm happy. I'm happy with this microphone, man. And... It's the kind of gift that keeps on giving because it allows me to tell my stories. It allows me to keep the creative juices flowing, which is super important, man. We all got to use those creative energies, you know. It's like I think that they're inside all of us and it's important important to get them out. And this is something I've discovered that I really enjoy and I find fulfilling. So number four is my blue snowball microphone given to me by the old wife. Let's move into numero three. Number three. From Kenner's Star Wars collection, the Darth Vader TIE Fighter. Careful, Luke! We've got company! X-Wing Fighter and action figure sold separately. Batteries not included. Good idea, Luke! Darth Vader's TIE Fighter has flashing lights, action sound. Luke's force is strong, but we've got him now. Oh, no, you don't. We've lost our shoulder panels. Perfect hit! I'll be back. Kenner's Star Wars Darth Vader TIE Fighter. X-Wing Fighter and action figure each sold separately. Number three is the Darth Vader TIE Fighter by Kenner. This is a toy that I got back when we lived in Illinois. This is, this is, you know... It's a TIE fighter. It has wings on the side and a and a pod in the middle. But where it differs is that the the wings are sort of concave, whereas the normal TIE fighters are just like straight up and down flat sheets of paper. I had this toy forever. I wonder I wonder where it went. Do you ever think about that when you remember back a toy you had? When when was the day that you finally lost it or tossed it in the garbage? It's just like, it's not something that I could ever imagine doing. I can't imagine the day where I'm just like, well, forget this TIE fighter, flip into the garbage. But it must have happened at some point. I had this forever though before it finally met its before it finally met its fate. I don't even know if I had Darth Vader. I remember that the Christmas I asked for a I asked for a TIE fighter and I expected to get the get the standard model, but instead I got the Darth Vader model. And at first I was I was a bit bummed out on that, but I learned to I learned to love it because everybody else in the neighborhood had either like an X-Wing or the standard TIE Fighter. But I was like the only fool that had the Darth Vader TIE Fighter. So it was, it gave me like a cool aura of uniqueness. You know, this was a neat toy. It had a button that you could push and the wings would, the wings would fly off. I remember that eventually I lost one wing. And when I did that, I took the other wing off and it just became like, like a flying pod that I, that I would just, you know, float through the air. This toy lasted well into the days of G.I. Joe's. I mean, the pod did. I, at one point, it was, it was Cobra Commander's transport. It was his, you know, his, his shuttlecraft. I also, 
I also used this in the bathtub a lot. I was a, and to some degree I still am a bathtub toy guy. I would take my figures with me into the, into the tub and just, you know, do whatever with them. If something happened to float, that was all the better, but even if it didn't, it was still fun. None of the Star Wars toys to my, to my knowledge ever floated, and I know this one didn't because... When I would, when I would take it into the tub, it kind of acted as a, as a one-man submarine. It would be like floating around underneath the bubs and then shooting out like a, uh, like a G.I. Joe shark. It was like a submarine that could also fly. I really, I really dig this toy. This is one that I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind copying now, but I bet that, I bet that it's pricey. Fortunately, I am already logged on to the internet. I, I suspected that something like this might happen, so... I got ahead and I logged on to AOL. Let's, um, let's, I'm far away from the microphone and I hope that you can, I hope that you can still hear me well. I am typing in Darth Vader TIE Fighter and we will see what it costs. I should, I'm going to add the tag vintage just so, just so it knows I'm not looking for the pop vinyl one. For example, let's, um, let's start at the, at the highest. That's where we're most likely going to get one complete in a box. So here's one complete in the box for $850. Let's kind of, let's kind of scroll down and see how much we're costing for a, like a complete one that doesn't come with the box. Here's like $139. I wonder, I wonder how low we can go. Let's keep scrolling and see how low the cheapest we can get a complete one. Here's $80. That's not bad. Here's a Lego one. $27. Here's one for $60 with free shipping. Here is, this one is complete and it has the instruction manual and that's bad. Here's one for, here's one for 50. That's cool. I, for something that is from 1978, paying 50 bucks for a complete version is not bad. I don't know. I don't know if this is something I'm going to do, but it is something that I could conceivably do in the future. Let's move into the next one on the list. Number two. The second best Christmas gift that I ever received was Run DMC's self-titled solo debut, Run DMC. When I got it, what I actually wanted was Raising Hell, which was, it was the jam at the time. Everybody was into all those songs off Raising Hell, and I wanted that tape super bad. But instead, they got me Run DMC by mistake. But to me, this is the superior tape. It is so hard and it is so street. And it was at the time, unlike anything I had ever heard in my life. It is, it's pretty different than Raisin Hell. Raisin Hell is, it's more of an elevated tape. It has more of a pop appeal. Run DMC is just straight boom bap, drum machine hip hop. It is, man, it was like nothing I had ever heard in my life. It was so weird and so foreign to me that I didn't even know how they were making it. I kind of had the idea with Raising Hell that they were like using records to make the songs, like they were taking parts of records. I didn't understand exactly how it worked, but I did I did kind of have a idea of what it was, but I did not even know what a drum machine was. These, 
these pounding sounds were just so weird to me. I could not figure it out. And I listened to it like over and over and over again. This was, this was my introduction to having a cassette of my own. I had had a radio and I'd listened to the radio and it had a cassette player, but I never, I never really had any cassettes of my own. I had some like hand-me-down cassettes from my parents and stuff and things like that, but I didn't, I didn't have any of my own. This was like the first tape that I ever owned on my own. And it, it opened up my door to the world of being able to like control what you listen to. I would listen to like KZST, which is That's the most popular station here in Santa Rosa. It's what you would hear if you go to the dentist or something. This is the music that they would be playing in the waiting room. I would listen to, like, KFRC, which was the oldies station. But as much as I liked listening to the radio, I I didn't like how you just had to play or listen to, rather, what they were playing. I, I wanted my own things. I wanted, I wanted my own tapes, and this was the first one that, that I ever had on my... On my own. It it opened up my door to that. It opened up my door to just hip-hop in general. I had heard hip-hop and stuff, and I was into... I was into Run DMC by way of, you know, the singles and whatever, but this was in owning it. I really got into the way it sounded, and it sounded like something... Something of my own. It wasn't rock. It wasn't pop. This was, this was my music. My parents were listening to a lot of, like, pop music. They liked, you know, Christopher Cross. And they, they liked a lot of the country that was popular at the time. You know, like the Oak Ridge Boys and things like that. This was, this was definitely mine. This is the story that I remember about the tape. I got the tape for Christmas. And the first time I put it into, the first time I put it into the tape player, it got, it just got completely eaten. I, I had probably never cleaned the tape player in my life, and I'd had this radio for years, and the first time I used it, zing! There's tape flying everywhere, and I was super bummed out, but it was Christmas, and there wasn't really anything that you could do about it, so the next day, the 26th, I was just like, please, please, please take me to Rainbow Records and exchange it for me, please, but... The thing was, they didn't have the receipt. They just, you know, they tossed it when they bought the present. So I remember going in with my mom and my mom can be a forceful woman when it's necessary. And she just like, she moaned and moaned and complained and moaned and moaned. So they finally exchanged the tape without the receipt. And man, I was so thankful for that because I was, I was thinking that I was going to be completely out. I felt like the tape was eaten and it was my fault and that I was completely out. But my mom was able to. She was able to flip the script and make him give me a new one. And I had this. I had this tape for years. I wish I wish I still had it now. I have Tougher Than Leather and I have Raising Hell. But I don't have Run DMC in my, in my hip-hop cassette collection. It does. It pops up on eBay from time to time. You can probably get it for under 20 bucks. And I probably should. I just haven't gotten around to do it. It is one that I would like to have. I've... I've said this before on the show, and I'm going to say it again because we're talking Run DMC. I, I, I saw DMC at a comic show in Sacramento when he was, he was signing this book that he was selling at the time. And I was just too starstruck. I was too geeked 
to go talk to him. And I regret it. I regret it now. I wish that I would have gone over and just given him a pound and told him how much his music meant to me. I'm sure he hears it all the time, but it would it would have been nice for me to be able to say to him. But I was too geeked, you know, and the guy seemed super nice. We kind of watched him from a distance for a while and he seemed super nice. So I hope that someday I do get that chance again. Uh, every once in a while, I'll see that he is making like a Comic Con appearance. So I, I hope that someday he comes around here again. And if he does, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. But let's move into the best Christmas gift I ever got in my life. Here it is, people. I see Robot's most favorite Christmas gift of all the times. What do we have here? It's Castle Grayskull. And it's mine. That's so fast, Beastman. He-Man! You can pit He-Man against Beastman playing for the power of Castle Grayskull. You have to put the castle together. Beastman's escaping. What's wrong, Dad? Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Beast-Man each sold separately from Mattel. My favorite Christmas present of all the time in space was Castle Grayskull. Castle Grayskull came out in 1982, but I seem to remember getting it in 1983. But I don't know, man. That's just, that's just whatever. I used to be so into He-Man. I have completely forgotten how much I was into He-Man, and I was reminded when I was at the, when I was at the Toy-Con this past year, that was, that was right before the big fires, man. That was, that was something, but when I was there at the Toy-Con, I saw He-Man and Battle Cat combined with Skeletor and that stupid panther that he used to ride, and that, that brought back memories of how powerfully I was into He-Man. Now I am just like, I'm obsessed with getting all these He-Man things back. I was, man, Castle Grayskull was such a neat toy. It was plastic and it folded out. It would be able to shutter close and you could use it as sort of like a carrying case. You could toss all your He-Man stuff in there and lug it around if you wanted, but then it would, it would open up and you could play in the front of the castle or behind the castle, which acted as, it acted as the interior. It had two floors with like a computer room and a weapons room and upstairs was, there was a throne that if you rotated it, it would activate a trapdoor. That trapdoor was like my favoritest thing. He-Man or whoever would sit, would sit in the throne and it was just so funny to trick somebody and have them fall down into the into the depths, into the torture chamber. This was a great, just a great playset. And what made it such a great gift was I wanted it so bad. And I let it be known that this was what I wanted more than anything in the world. And my parents played it off like, well, there's no way we're going to be able to get you that. It's just, you know, you can't find those anywhere. It's too expensive. They would make up like a million and one different excuses. And I, I had no idea that when I got out there Christmas morning, boom, there it was, Castle Grayskull. The art on the box was so beautiful. These are just like beautiful paintings. I would love to have, I'd love to have prints of some of these He-Man vehicles. Just really great fantasy prints, and it showed it shows the castle with the with the trapdoor front, with the with the scary mouth and the skull. Just just beautiful. And I could remember ripping open the wrapping paper, and there it was, that scary skull right in my face. I had Castle Grayskull forever. This was another one that survived way into the G.I. Joe days. After, after I kind of moved away from He-Man 
and into G.I. Joe because, you know, He-Man was a bit childish and G.I. Joe was, it was way more mature. And once I moved away from the He-Man into the G.I. Joe, I kept a hold of Castle Grayskull and it was, it was like Cobra's base. They would be in it and sometimes the, sometimes the Joes would attack and they would, you know, be holding Castle Grayskull for a while. I didn't have like tons and tons of big playsets. I had figures and I had vehicles, but I didn't have tons of playsets. So this was one of the, this was one of the few big things that I had that could act as a base for the guys. And I, I held onto it forever. This is another one that I can't imagine ever tossing out, but I know I must've. And I just, I wonder what was going through my head at the time I tossed it away. I just, I can't imagine what that dude was thinking. That guy was nuts. He must have thought he was like too into hip hop, too into public enemy and all that stuff. I could never, ever conceivably care about He-Man and Castle Grayskull again. If I could, I would go back and tell that guy, you're a fool. You're going to care about it so hard. I actually dedicated an entire episode to Castle Grayskull back in the, back in the Ferg. It was episode 19, if I remember correctly. And this was, this was back in the day when the show was just incredibly toy-centric. And I would just go out there and talk and talk and talk on a toy. Castle Grayskull was one that I, I knew that I needed to talk about. Just a beautiful toy. I loved it. I loved it so much. It came with a weapon rack. That was one of the cool things. It was like this rack that was down in the, down in the lower floor. And it came with... I don't remember, like, five or six different weapons. I was the sort that would always lose my dude's accessories. So getting this was, this was, like, a way to refresh Man-at-Arms. Like, Man-at-Arms had a new ba- had a new mace. And, you know, um, just all of them got new weapons because of this. This is, this is great. I'm, I'm starting to run out of steam on this. I've been doing this for a while now straight. So let's, uh, let's call it a day. So... There you have it, man. Castle Grayskull, beautiful toy, loved it. I I planned to get it. I um I looked it up on the good old eBay earlier this week, and you can get a complete one for like 150, and that comes with like the weapon rack and all the weapons and all the different stuff. But you can get the shell of it for as little as forty dollars with free shipping. So I might do that, but it um it takes up a lot of real estate, so I don't know where I would put it down on the Earth base if I had it. Once I once I solve that problem, the thing is, man, it's going to have to go on a top shelf because it's so tall. I don't have that many, like, really wide shelves. I definitely don't have a shelf that would fit that on on the lower levels. It has to go up top, so something would have to move out, and I don't know what that is because there's a lot of cool stuff up there. I don't know, man. We will we'll see. If I do get it, I will I'll let you know where it goes. But let's move into the final segment of the shoot. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Icy Robots Radio Pop Culture slash Toy News slash Other Boring Stuff Informational Moment. All right, dudes, we are here. We are here at the end of the show. The the final part where we talk about, like, different news topics or just, you know, whatever... Whatever's going on, let's start off with the big thing. We we are right now in the middle of the Icy Robots Radio Charity Christmas gift box season. This is this is something I have set up where in which I have this uh, USPS, this large USPS priority flat rate box full of all sorts of like weird odds and ends that I found at the dig or that I found at the flea market over the past year. It's it's really cool, man. It's full of a bunch of bunch of fun stuff and all you have to do to get a chance to get your hands on this box is you have to uh get a toy and donate it to toys for tots and 
somewhere along the way, send me a picture of the, of the toy, and I'll, you know, retweet it if you want, I'll post it on the Facebook page if you want, this is, this is going good so far, but what's interesting about it is that the people who have reached out to me and said that they, uh, they have said that they don't necessarily want the box, so I hope I'm not gonna get stuck with this thing, please. Please consider doing this. Toys for Tots is a very rewarding experience. There are just so many kids out there who are going to get nothing for Christmas. And that is, that's one of the saddest things I can, I can think of. We have, we have a fine country and everybody deserves to get, to get something under the tree. So please dudes, if you can, if you can afford anything, get a Hot Wheel. They are $1.99 and Toys for Tots needs presents of, they need presents of all varieties. So if, if you're, uh, you know, if you don't got all the money in the world like myself, get a, get a Hot Wheel. Get something like that. There are all sorts of cool things you can find for, like, $4.99 or less. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's the spirit of giving, and, you know, there are kids out there who dig cars, and they want Hot Wheels, and you, you flip a couple of them in the box, it's, like, five bucks for two, and they'll be happy when they get them, because you don't only get, like, one thing. You don't get only one thing, rather. You get... A bunch of stuff from Toys for Tots, and they're gonna give you a couple big things, a couple small things, and it all, it all works out in the end, please. Consider doing so, consider joining, consider, uh, tweeting me about it, it's, it's gonna be great. I gotta get this box out of here. Please, please somebody take it off my hands. Hit me up on Twitter, that's at ICRobots, I-S-E-E-R-O-B-O-T-S on Twitter, or Facebook.com slash ICRobots, as if I am looking at them. I saw the, I saw the big DCW Universe crossover spectacular, and I thought it, I thought it was dynamite, I enjoyed it, it started off in Supergirl on Monday, and then they moved the Arrow right after Supergirl on Monday, so you got the first two parts, two hours of it the first day, and then the next day it was on The Flash, and it, it finished up in Legends of Tomorrow, the basic storyline idea was that Earth was being invaded, by evil Nazi doppelgangers of all the characters on the CW universe from the multiverse planet Earth X, the Earth in which the Nazis have won it all and they are, they're ruling, man. They are trying to, they're trying to turn the multiverse into an all-Nazi ruled, uh, ruled regime and that's, that's terrible and the guys, the guys battle with them. They, they try to stop them. It's a lot of fun. They introduced a new character, the Ray, who is one of the members of the Freedom Fighters, a DC team that, that goes over to Earth X and tries to, tries to battle these evil Nazis. I understand that there is a cartoon of the Ray right now on the CW Seed, which, uh, which you can find online, I have it on my Roku, it's actually a pretty neat app, besides having the most recent episodes of, of all the CW shows and stuff, they have a lot of, like, older shows, for a while they had the entire run of Max Headroom, they had the whole run of, uh, the OC, I don't know, they, they rotate things in and out, it's a, it's a decent app, if you, if you have a Roku, definitely add the CW seat in case you happen to miss, like, an episode of The Flash, you could just, you can just hop on over there and check it out. It's pretty, pretty dope. They went really far with the Nazi iconography in this, in this miniseries. I was, su- I was surprised. I thought, I thought this stuff was verboten. I thought you couldn't do it. I thought it was considered to be in very poor taste and, you know, Nazis aren't in, in the best taste by, by any means, but they went all the way with this. Like there's a Nazi version of, um, Supergirl and instead of having like the S on her chest, she has like the the double Nazi S, and there's, a uh, 
Nazi version of Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. It was, it was pretty harsh as far as that stuff went. I was, I was a bit surprised, but hey man, they went all the way and I, I appreciate that. It was just a very successful event, in my opinion. Last year, they did an alien invasion. They did the the 80s DC miniseries, The Invasion, where the Dominators come down and attack. And this year, it was Nazis. I wonder what will be next. I can't even imagine. But last year, man, it was this. This year, they ramped it up with more characters, more action. I wonder... There's nowhere to go but up, I guess. Maybe they're going to lead into, like, Crisis on Infinite Earths or something like that or Kingdom Come. Any of these things would would be dynamite. I would have to say that I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed the Justice League movie. And I thought the Justice League movie was fine. I thought it was all right. I did. I did enjoy it. But I thought that this was, this was a slam dunk home run. I, I did something I don't normally do, but I have done in the past for things that are cool. And I, I captured the whole thing on VHS tape. I have a... Down in the Earth Base office, I have like a small, small, uh, you know, old style TV VCR. And every once in a while, I'll tape stuff onto a VHS in the, in the main entertainment center so that I can later watch it in the, in the office. I don't really watch it. I just kind of like put it on and leave the volume down when I'm, when I'm milling around and I'll, I'll like look at it. I usually like listen to music or listen to like crazy, creepy, cool movies or like some Zerbinator Land shows or the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast or Saturday Frights. They they came back recently in the Diary of the Arcade Employee. I listened to that. I listened to all, all those. Those retro style shows, of course, Geek Best Rants, you know, I I dig that one the most. And, you know, Gino Vega. Gino Vega has one on the way pretty soon. You may You may be checking it out any day now, which is... It's good news, you know, that's always, always good. What else? What else is popping up? There is talk of a merger between Disney and Fox. Fox has the X-Men movie, so as of right now, I don't think it's gone all the way through, but it does look as if it is going to be, going to be going through, and there's, like, good and bad with this. I, myself, I like the Fox X-Men movies. They have kind of a darker tone, I think, that, that goes well with the X-Men, but... So far, everything that Disney's acquired, like Star Wars and Marvel and all these things, they've definitely gone up. So I don't know. Their track record's pretty good so far. But I hope that it doesn't mean we're going to get less movies. Because you could always count on a couple Marvel movies a year and then like a couple Fox movies a year, be it like a Logan movie or a X-Men movie or whatever. So I don't know. Ups and downs, highs and lows. We'll have to wait and see. But They've had a pretty good track record so far, so I don't have any I don't have any reason to doubt that this will this will be good in in the end. And I mean that I mean that like creatively. Creatively, everything has been pretty decent so far, but I don't know how good it is having one company own everything in the in the entire world. That's that can't be good, but it is what it is. And also I made a mistake a second ago when I said you could get the current shows like The Flash and all that stuff on the CWC. And I made a mistake. Those are on just like the straight CW app. The CWC has some cool stuff. It has the the entire run of Dynasty. Max Headroom, uh, Pushing Daisies is on there. You can see all of Everwood. The entire run of Birds of Prey is up there. It's a good app, man. Get that on, get that on the Roku. Do you guys have a Roku? I myself, I, I like it. When I'm home and I have the opportunity to watch something, like if the the entire family's out, I usually do flip to I flip to the Roku. I I don't know, man. I 
check out like weird stuff on Netflix or weird stuff on the on the Amazon Prime and then there's like a like a bunch of weird indie apps on there that are that are fun. I never I never run out of stuff to watch on there. It's a real solid device. I think I got it for like 89 bucks and I don't know, no complaints as of uh as of so far. So we are we are at we're at like the end of the year as it were and I am going to I'm going to announce a program change for this upcoming year and I'll I'll explain why with everything. This next year, when major holidays come around, I am going to put up classic episodes. And I'm talking the major holidays like New Year's, Thanksgiving, Easter, Christmas, things like that. Anything where in which you get a vacation from school. I'm going to going to give you guys a classic episode and it's not because of a lack of effort on my part. What I've noticed is when Thanksgiving week comes around with Halloween and all this stuff, nobody listens. I put out an episode, but everybody's out having fun. Everybody's doing fun stuff. So the listenership goes down like to one third of what it is normally. And that's all good in the hood. I dig it. I want you guys to go and have fun. Don't feel like you have to come in and listen to my silly show. So, but the, you know, the statistics are showing me that it may be sort of a wasted effort to put something out that week. It may be better to just kind of take two weeks worth of stuff, lump it into the next week, and have a uh, have a super fun super show. I don't know. It's what I'm thinking. Let me know how you feel about that. It's no big deal to me either way. I think it's fun to make the show, but at the same time, if everybody's going to be out trick-or-treating or, you know, doing Easter egg hunts and doing the stuff that they really should be doing the good stuff, then, hey, man, I'm going to go do that stuff too, as it were, even though I... I get very little time off from the, uh, from the moon base. Let's take a look at the upcoming release schedule. So next week, we're going to have the, we're going to have the world famous, the world renowned, the, the Icy Robots Radio slash T-R-U-R-P-T Christmas special. It's a, it's an hour long mix that was put together by, by our boy Iceberg many moons ago. And much like, much like Shrek the Halls, much like the, the Toy Story that time forgot, much like the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, much like the Garfield Christmas special. It, it airs once a year and when it does, it brings Christmas cheer to everybody out there. This one, this one is so great. It mixes together some Peter Pan slash power records that are Christmas themed. In one of them, Batman's fighting crime. In another one, the six million dollar man is fighting crime. And in between, in between those bits are a bunch of great Christmas songs. There's some Buck Owens, there's some Stevie Wonder, there's some Chipmunks, there's Blink 182. There's all sorts of fun stuff. And normally we drop on we drop on a Wednesday, but this time around we're gonna drop on Monday the uh, let's take a look Monday the what Monday the 18th. That will give you a full week to enjoy the music of the music of Icebergs choosing the music of Icebergs awesome mix before before the day of Christmas comes. So look for that on the 18th, and then the next week, you know, that's Christmas, New Year's week, so we're going to have a best of, and then we're going to be back with the top five movies of 2017. That's one of, one of the most looked forward to episodes of the year. I look forward to putting it, putting it together, taking a look-see at all the fun stuff I saw over the year. It's been a, been a cool movie, uh, year so far. I've seen a lot of neat things, you know, the brawl in cell block. I saw that. I saw Lady Bird. I saw 
baby driver. You know, by the time by the time this comes around, I may very well have seen Star Wars. We're gonna find out what that uh what that kooky Luke Skywalker has been up to all these years. That's gonna be that's gonna be great. I can't wait, man. I'm you know I'm hoping next year is a lot more fun than this one. We had the fires. This fires in Southern California right now. There's hurricanes, earthquakes, all sorts of uh weird governmental world doings, but. Hey man, it can only go up, right? Things are only gonna go up. We gotta, we gotta, you know, keep our eyes to the stars, as it were. We gotta imagine the best. So, I'm gonna sign off. This is essentially the sign off for the year. I've had a great time with you guys. I think it's been, I think it's been great. Made a lot of friends, had a lot of fun. Everything's been dope. So, I don't know. From the bottom of my heart, I wish you guys a Merry Christmas. And that goes for Iceberg. I know he feels the same way. Engineer Emily and maybe... Maybe even AB Silver feels the same way, but I kind of doubt it's possible, though. So, for 2017, I'm signing off. This is me, Icy Robots, and if you don't know, now you know. Merry Christmas. This has been Icy Robots Radio Production. I see robots radio is a listener supported in day ha. If you like what we do and we make your day a little easier, please consider tossing a few bucks our way to help keep the life support running. All money collected goes to help us prepare for future space pirate attacks. Go on over to supportthereport.com for all the details. Thanks and have a great week. <laughs>